0: This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. So glad to to be before you. And yes, we'll please be um, in prayer for the Ward family. They they definitely have served us and. We're praying for them um, in the days to come, months to come, that God will be with them. He, he said, "Blessed are they that mourn." they will be comforted. So we're believing that for them today. So be praying for them, and and if you so, you know, if God impresses you to do so, contact Greg and just share some love with him. Well, listen, you know, we 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 have been we're in some challenging uh, times, you know, as, as a nation. Um, as a world we we're going through some some very challenging times you think about over the past few months uh we we, we have experienced a, a global pandemic that has resulted um in in america over 100,000 deaths you know we've had such a uh, uh uh some economic uncertainties, there have been businesses that have been adversely affected. Some businesses have had to close. There, there are many who have had to file unemployment. And then right on top of that, if you, you take those two things alone and then you add to it that now we're in a season where we're having to, to, to focus on some uh, intense social unrest. I would say that we are in a challenging time. You know, one thing I I realized, I realized that people are hurting and people are looking for answers. Now, I I don't personally claim to, to have all the answers, but you know what? I do know where I can go to get the answers for whatever circumstances, whatever situations, whatever arises in this Life, because I know that I can go to to, to, to the the all wise the the all knowing the omnipotent uh, the sovereign God who created it all, and I know that I can find. The answers. You listen, uh, in James 1 and 5, I, it lets me know that, look, if I'm lacking any wisdom, if it's something I don't truly understand, it, I can go and I can ask God. And he tells me in his word that he will give it to me. If we lack wisdom, he'll give it to us. And not only give it to us, but he said he'll give it to us liberally. That means that I'm going, not going to just give you just a little teeny bit, but I'm going to give you everything that you need in Romans the apostle Paul declared oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of god paul recognized that god is nobody greater than god as far as wisdom and understanding and knowledge how he goes on to say how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God's ways are so much higher than ours. His understanding is so much, uh, so far advanced than ours. But listen, he told us we can come to him. Look, if we go to the Old Testament, you know, there's some, some, some people that know a little bit about some wisdom. Look, think about Brother Job uh, in, in Job chapter 28. He knows a little bit about wisdom. And as a matter of fact, in verse 20, he asked the question, from where does wisdom come? And, and where is the place of understanding. But if you look at look a little further down in that chapter, he, he begins to to to, to answer that question. He says, "God understands." the way and he knows its place. What is he talking about? He's talking about wisdom. See, wisdom isn't beyond God. Wisdom is something God created because he goes on down there in verse 27 through 28 and he says these words. He says, then he saw wisdom. He's talking about God now and he declared it. See, that's how God said, that if, we, if we lack understanding and we, we lack wisdom, we could ask him because he has it all. It says, he prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. And, and to man, he said, behold, Listen now, he said, the fear of the Lord, uh, 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 that's wisdom. See, for you, when you fear God, that's the beginning of your understanding, and that's the beginning of wisdom. And it says, to depart from evil is under. Standing. So I would encourage you today, there, there are many that are looking for answers, but just like me, I go to God because I know that the answers that he gives me, he's going to give me answers that are going to lead to life, answers that are going to lead to, to, to things being advanced, answers that are going to encourage me and to build me up. Listen, this is a critical time in this world, and, and they're, 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 people are asking all kind of questions. So it's not enough, though, for us to trust in our own answers. We got to seek out and trust the wisdom of God. You know, I, I'm just so excited to, to know that God, you know, our Father who is in heaven, he, he, he is not only capable of giving us the answers, but he's also willing to do that. He is going to provide for us. He's going to guide us. Who is us? I'm talking about the children of God. Those of us who claim uh, uh, him as Lord and Savior, those of us who are walking with him, those of us whose life we've yielded to him, he will guide us. He'll guide us. He will guide us. Why? Because we are his children. You know what? Our world and the nation is in crisis. And I believe, I believe, and I've been been saying this over and over and over again. I believe now is the time for the church to rise up and to be the light. See, there's so much darkness out there now. There's so much going on all around us. And see, the one thing we do know about light is when light shines, darkness has to dispel. So where's the light going to come from? Those of us who name Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are the light. And God told us to let our light so shine that men will see our good work and glorify the Father in heaven. I've been praying, and as I've been praying, and even from the very beginning of the pandemic situation, I've been saying these words, that crisis opens the door of opportunity. And I believe right now God has swung the door wide open for the body of Christ to rise up and to be the voice, to be the way, to be the light. In these crisis circumstances, he has given us a great opportunity, an opportunity to to, to lead the way of healing, to lead the way of reconciliation. See, we are supposed to be the ones who are supposed to be out there being the peace lovers, being the ones who say, come on, I can show you a better way, and being the ones who say God can work it out and God can heal that situation. God can bring us together as we need to be brought together in this day. And see, in seeking God's wisdom, see, I've been—I want to share today just something very briefly, and I'm gonna try to be as brief as I can. Uh, uh, And some words of hope and encouragement. But I'm gonna start with a question because see, I know people have a whole lot of questions. They've been asking questions throughout this time. But I have a question I want you to ponder, and the question is simply this: What does the Lord require? See, we've been asking questions about this and asking questions about that, but what is it that God requires? See, I believe that we're in a time today where we are living in a world uh, uh, that's, that's so much more divided. There's so much divisiveness going on. We're divided in what's right and what's wrong. We're divided in, in, in what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We're divided in on opinions and everybody has one and everybody wants theirs to be heard. You know, but, but some people don't want to hear that person and some people don't want to hear this person. But what does the Lord? require. Listen, this past Friday night I was I had the pleasure of being in a Zoom uh, intercessory prayer meeting and I, I thank God for our prayer team and how uh, they've been so diligent in pressing in and praying and praying and and, and and we got together. We, we had certain points that we were praying about, and we had individuals who were assigned to lead out in the prayer. And there was one of our, our members, and, and before she began to pray her point, she said these words She said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. And those words just resonated with me uh, so much because I'm thinking about, listen, there's so many ways that we can begin to answer questions. But she said, let the words of her mouth and the meditations of her heart be acceptable to God. That means what? She wanted to speak the words of God. She wanted to make sure the words that she spoke were words that God would give her to speak even before she began to pray. And that's what we all need to do. Why? Because the words of God are the things that are going to make lasting change. See, man can say things and man can renege on it. Man can say something based on his own upbringing or his own beliefs and, he, and it could fall flat on his face. But God's word will never fall flat on his face. God's word will not return void. It will accomplish everything that he has intended for it to accomplish. See, when we ask ourselves that question, what does the Lord require, it forces us to begin to to seek God's word. See, that's the only way you're going to answer that question is you got to go to his word to find out what it is. And so when you go to his word, you're going to find words of life. You're going to find words of comfort. You're going to find words that are going to accomplish everything that they set out to accomplish. And so this morning, I, I want to focus on a few answers to that question. And I want you to turn with me to a very popular uh, scripture. I know most, a lot of people have been posting this scripture uh, during this time, especially in this time of social unrest. So if you would turn to Micah, the sixth chapter, and we're going right to verse eight, and we're going we're gonna to start right there because this, this, this prophet here, he had some answers for us regarding what does the Lord require. And it says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly. He says to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, now Michael is one of the the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Now, he's not minor because of his stature. He's not minor because the words that he spoke were less important than anybody else. See, he's only considered a minor prophet because of the size of the book. See, the book is only seven chapters long, but that's the only reason why it's considered minor, because the words he spoke were no ways minor, because they were powerful words then, and they are powerful words now. And so, I, I I would just encourage you to go back and look at that text and you'll begin to see exactly what he was talking about. But I'm going to give you a nutshell context of what was happening during that time and what caused Micah to to say these words. And I'm going to sum it up in this, this, this brief sentence right here. See, God, God was not pleased with his people's behavior. He was not pleased with the way they were living. He raised up the prophet Micah to go and take a message to them to speak out because they had failed to live up to the standards of righteousness. They weren't living up to the the holiness that they had been taught through the Mosaic law, which they were studying at that time. Those who were in authority, what were they doing? They were, they were abusing their power. They were oppressing the poor. There was social injustice going on. And there was a total moral decline. All kind of stuff was going on that went against the teachings of the God that they served. The people of God had once again abandoned the promises to keep God's commandment. You notice I said once again, because that wasn't the first time that they had stepped outside of God's word. They stepped outside of following his commandments. And once again, God sends the prophet to, to straighten them out and to show them the right way. See, they had forgotten about God and forgotten about doing the things that please him. They had forgot about seeking God and putting him first in their life. Sounds a little bit Uh, familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound a little bit like where we are today in this time? See, the thing about it is this. God's Word never lies, and nothing is new under the sun. This stuff that's going on right now didn't just happen. This stuff has been going on all the way back in the Bible days. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament, and you see the same stuff then happening now, but the same answer remains for us. He says what? To do what? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. See, something I understand about this passage of Scripture, see, what he is telling us is this, we cannot separate, you can't separate uh, your responsibility to live as a, uh, to do do, do kingdom work. You can't separate, separate that by the way you live. See, every day when you step out, you can't say today, "Uh, I'm going to do kingdom work, but I'm going to live like the world. I'm going to do kingdom work, but I'm going to live riotous. No, that's not how it works. See, because when you're doing kingdom work, that's the way you're living, because your life should be representing the kingdom work in everything that you do. And when we refuse to do that, it brings the judgment of God on the people. That's what we saw even back then. And I believe that's what we see even right now. We see the judgment of God happening. But guess what? There is a way that we can walk through this. And how is it? We have to follow God's word. We have to get back to to, to living the righteous way. We have to get back to being holy. We have to get back to doing the things that God has called us to do. Why? There's a direct connection between our faith confession and our response to social concerns. See, you can't talk about you love God and you don't care about those who are disenfranchised. You can't talk about how much you love God, but yet you practice racist racist, uh, uh, types of of actions. You can't say you love God and you mistreat people. You can't say you love God and you act like you don't see the people out there in the street that are hurting. No, no, no. See, if you love God, you're going to love people. If you love God, you're going to act in a way that represents him. And our God is a compassionate God. That's why we were just taking communion a few minutes ago, because he's a loving God. See, he didn't say, oh, let them sinners go to hell. No, he said, oh, I'm going to send my son to redeem them back to me so that they can have the life that I had already prepared for them to live. Look. God was concerned about the poor. He was concerned about the disenfranchised. Look, in the Old Testament, God was giving Moses instructions about bringing sacrifices and offerings. And in Leviticus, the fifth chapter, he he, he even told Moses, look, if anyone can't afford, if they don't have a lamb to bring. And look, if they don't have any, the animal that that I told them to bring, just let them bring two doves or bring two little young pigeons or something. Why? Because he didn't want to leave anybody out. See, he wanted to make sure that no matter what your state of being is, you still have the opportunity to experience him. Look, in the New Testament, we see in Luke, the fourth chapter of verse 18, we find these words of Jesus. Jesus was in the synagogue preaching, and he said these words in Luke 4, 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? To the poor. He has sent me to heal the what? Brokenhearted, he, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind. And look, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. God cared about those who are disenfranchised, those who are oppressed, those who are going through circumstances because they don't have all that others have. He didn't disregard them he didn't push them to the side and say, "Go get your stuff and then come back." No, he said, I'm care for them. I'm coming to help them. I'm coming to show them the way as well. See, as believers, uh, 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 we are. Uh, we're supposed to be committed to Jesus, and and of course, if we are committed to Him, that's the same thing that should be reflecting from us. We people should know that we we that we that we are his disciple because we're acting the way we act toward those who are less fortunate, those who don't look like us, those who don't act like us, those who don't dress like us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So it brings me back to the question, what does the Lord require? Micah answers these questions with three virtues, and I've already said them, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, when we look at the word justly, Uh, Of course, it's a derivative of the word justice. And so immediately when you first think about the word justice, you begin to think about somebody getting something that they deserve. There's something they did, and they're getting what they deserve. They just deserved on them. But see, Micah uses, uh, the word Micah uses for for the word justice comes from the Hebrew word uh, 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 mispa. And and that word doesn't do, this is what it says. It it says, uh, properly, a verdict, favorable or unfavorable, Pronounced judiciously, especially a sentence or formal decree. But it goes deeper than that. See, acting justly goes deeper uh, than just punitive. Justice. See, if we leave justice at the punitive level, we've missed everything that God has said a few minutes ago. And even in Luke, where he said he's going to come for those that are brokenhearted, those that are disenfranchised, those that, that are oppressed. Because that don't have anything with punitive. That has something to do with where they are in their life see, so so, so it's, it's, it's about something else. See, if you can dig in on a little deeper regarding what this word stands for, you'll find out that this word also throughout the New Testament represents righteousness. I'm talking about what we do, uh, how we do what's right. And so that's what we're talking about right here. We're not only talking about punitive stuff, but we're talking about acting right. And if you name Jesus, righteousness should be who you are. Righteousness should be how you conduct yourself righteousness should be the way you walk around in this earth. What does that mean? That means we take care of those who, who, who can't take care of themselves. That means we look out for the widows and, and the orphans. That means that we, we, we take responsibility uh, for those who, 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 who are vulnerable in our society. That, and guess what? That all equates to this one thing. We treat everybody all people with dignity and respect, regardless of who they are, where they come from, what their last name is, what their affiliation is, it doesn't matter. They all deserve to be respected and treated in a way that's favorable as unto God. See, true justice and righteousness connects the heart to the hand. See, that's what I was saying a few minutes ago. You can't say you got one thing in your heart, but your what your actions show don't represent those things. See, your heart and your hands are connected. They they, they see you can't, your heart tells your hands what to do. And, and see, your hands don't tell your heart what to do, but your hands will reflect what's in your heart. Jesus said this in Luke 6:45. Uh, uh, he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And he goes on to say, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, in other words, see, 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 the good heart produces good fruit. But likewise, the evil heart produces evil fruit. But I want you to understand something. There's no cross-pollination in this, in these hearts. See, the 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 evil heart is not gonna produce good, and the good heart is not gonna produce evil if it's truly what it is. Because it doesn't do it, it doesn't work that way. See, it's my belief that justice and righteousness, see, they go hand in hand. They can't be separated. They cannot be separated. So you want to be just, but you better be righteous. If you want to be righteous, you need to be just. And those things work together. They can't be separated. What are you saying? See, the inward heart and the outward actions got to match up. They got to be walking side by side. They got to be doing the same things. They can't be going the opposite direction because it doesn't work that way. Woo, that leads me to my second virtue. See, we got to act justly. But the second virtue is that we have to love mercy. See, now the word Micah uses for mercy is the Hebrew word keset. Now, what does that mean? It's talking about kindness. Listen, it's talking about unfailing love and faithfulness. See, keset does this. It, it, It points out the faithful love that God had us. And for, for us, I mean by all mankind, not just a sector of men, but all mankind. Now, if you know about the, the Keset of God, then you know that He loved us so much that He came down here and He gave His life for us so that we can be redeemed back to the Father. And our responsibility is to mirror God's faithfulness. See, Christ was faithful to his call. The thing that the Father sent him to do, he didn't turn his back on. He didn't renege on it. He didn't say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. That's too much for me to handle. I don't want to take my body through that for those people that have fallen away from you. But he was faithful to that. So we're supposed to mirror that faithfulness. So how does that work? How does it work? Uh, First, we have a vertical uh, uh, mirroring. We have to mirror it Uh, vertically first. That's upward to God. See, the first thing is this. God gave us a commandment. We call it the the greatest commandment. If you look at Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 37 through 38, you'll find it right there. And it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And it goes on to say, this is the first and greatest commandment, talking about that vertical relationship. You got to put God first. You got to make him a Lord over everything. You got to make him the one that you get up and you prioritize every day. You have to be faithful, be loyal, be obedient, Follow his commandments. You know, that's. listen, this is not brand new. We might think, oh, wow, he just put that in in Matthew. He just put it in the New Testament. No, go back to Deuteronomy. Go to the 10th chapter, the 12th verse of Deuteronomy. You'll find the same thing. He told his people way back then the same exact thing. And it says this, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy, that's way back there, way back before, even before uh, 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 Jesus began to walk the earth, before Jesus came, before all, you know, the, the, the Matthew and the disciples were here on the earth. Guess what? God had already told his people because guess what? It's nothing new under the sun. The same commandments that God set from the beginning are the same commandments he expects us to follow today. So nothing's new, and we still have the same things that we have to walk. There is no new gospel. There's only one gospel, and the gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel is the same way. It's a holiness gospel. It's a righteousness gospel. And anything outside of that is not the gospel. I don't know what you can call it, but it ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, man should mirror God's faithfulness horizontally. See, it doesn't just stop with your relationship with God. See, some of us can have the relationship with God. Oh, I pray to God every day. I read His Bible. I read the Word of God every day. I I get up in the morning and I seek Him. But you have some problem with your horizontal love. See, the horizontal picture does this. It goes from God to you and goes to man. So it's not just about you and God by yourself, but God didn't put you here to be by yourself. He put you here to, to come alongside of each other. He put us here so we can be Lovers, they'll be lovers of one another to come alongside and show compassion to each other. This is what it says in verse 39. And the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think any of us walk around saying, "I hate myself." I don't think any of you is walk around beating yourself up. I don't think any of you walk around discriminating against yourself. I don't believe any of you walking around being a racist against your own self. No, you love yourself. And God is saying, if you love yourself, love your neighbor the same exact way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't put it in any kind of definition. It doesn't matter if they live like you, look like you, act like you, believe like you. No, it said love your neighbor. It's a blanket statement, as yourself. Listen, listen, I'm talking about our love toward one another. Look at what Jesus said in John, the 13th chapter, verse 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another, and we know the way he loved us, he loved us enough to give his life for us, and so we can 't say, oh man, that's that love, you know that love is not enough, oh no, that 's a love that we should all be striving to be like, because it 's a love that 's beyond our understanding that 's how much he loves us, and it goes on to say this: by this, all men will know that you are my disciple, how, if you have love for one. Another, don't say you're a disciple of God if you can't love. Don't say you're a disciple of God if you're practicing racism. Don't say you're a disciple of God if you can't love anybody that's not like you. Because that's not the way God said it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love him. Love him the way I loved you. And his love was unconditional. His love was selfless. His love was was, was a sacrificial love. He gave his life. See, that, reminds, that, that means don't matter what. It doesn't matter whether your skin color is different, whether you come from a different economic persuasion, or whether you have a different political affiliations. That should not get in the way of your love for your brother. See, there's no such thing as a segregated love. Ain't no such thing. I found this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. It says this. It says, segregation is a blatant denial of the unity which we all have in Christ Jesus. See, I think he understood something. See, he knew that in Christ we are one. See, he doesn't look at us different. Yeah, there are many members, many, many parts, but we are still one in him. There's only one one way of salvation. There's only one spirit. There's only one Lord and Savior. And when we come together, it's only one body. He's coming back but one body. Look, we may have different perspectives. We may have different gifts and different values, different personalities, but in Christ, we are all unified together in one, as one, as one. Love, mercy. And that brings me to, to, to the final virtue that, 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 that Micah shared, and it says this, to walk humbly with your God. And the word Micah uses for humbly is the Hebrew word "sana," And it means lowly, modest, and meek. See, we don't like to be that. See, See, it's the position of our heart, number one, toward God. See, we have to walk in meekness. We have to walk in humility with God. See, we're not equals to God. So we can't say, oh, God, you know, we can't be demanding and commanding God. No, 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 no. God is the head of us, and and we are the ones, but yet God still loves us enough to to, to treat us. He don't treat us like orphans, but he treats us just like priests, royalty, because he is the same, and he treats us the same way. But we have to walk lowly and in the ways of meekness with him. But we are living in a society where where pride and arrogance rules today. But guess what? First Peter five six and 55 five, five through six says this: All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Talking about being humble because God opposes the proud and He shows favor to the humble. So you're trying to figure out why you can't advance, why things aren't working out for you. If you're walking in arrogance and pride, guess what? God opposes you. But he tells you this. He said, but he'll show favor to the humble. He goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he Lift you up. See, you don't have to be arrogant and prideful to rise up. God said, if you humble yourself, He's going to lift you up. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather be lifted up by God any day than any other way for me to get up on my feet. Because I know if God picks me up and He puts me on a, He sets me down, I know I'm standing on some firm ground, a firm found. See, out of that a positive a posture of humbleness, look, look, it's birthed the attitude of humility toward one another. See, if you can't walk in humbleness, you're not going to be you know. If you can't walk in humility, you're not going to be humble. You, if you can't walk in and being humble to God, number one, you can't be, you know, walk in humility with one another. You can't do it because you can't turn it on and turn it off. And see, the more you walk in humility with God, the more you can be humble with one another the more you begin to treat each other with love and respect and dignity. Think about it this way. When you're weightlifting, uh, when, you, when you think about strengthening your legs, you know, there's no greater exercise than the squat. See, I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about you gotta go low. See, you can't do squat standing straight up in the air. No, you got to bend down to get the squat. You got to go all the way down. See, what are you doing? You're working your glutes and your quads. You're not going to get those muscles activated until you go low. You can stand up all day long and you ain't working those things. There might be moving around, but you got to go low. You got to be willing to bend all the way down in order to achieve the result that you desire. And see, just like the days uh, of Micah, God is telling us uh, the good things that will honor him. Those things haven't changed. He wants us to, you got to be low. You can't be all prideful and arrogant. See, he wants us to do this. He wants us to act justly. What is he saying about that? We got to remember that justice and righteousness, you know, they connect. They connect to our heart, and, and from the heart, we begin to act. So people begin to see, oh, it's something different about them. Their heart is what they confess. Oh, yeah, they confess that they love Jesus, and I know it's the truth. Why? Because they love people. It doesn't matter who the people are. They love them. He tells us to love mercy. What? Uh, the opportunity for us to do good, to have that relationship, first the vertical relationship with God, and, and then the horizontal relationship with one another, you know, uh, uh, Upward to God and outward to man. And then finally walking humbly with God, meaning that we got to bend down. We got to stay low. We have to walk in humility. We have to walk in humility with God and we have to walk in humility with one another. We should be humble with each other, not prideful and arrogant. See, if we stay low, God will build us up. I'm going to close and this is I'm going to close with this. David, David said it this way. And I love the way he said these words, Psalm 51, 16 through 17. He's talking to God. He's realizing. He said, God, you you do not want sacrifice, but if you want sacrifice, I will give it to you. That was his posture. He said, "Uh uh-uh, you're not pleased with a burnt offering, but the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and a humble heart. And that's what it takes. See, what is the Lord requiring of us? That we would do those, walk that way. That we would act justly. We would love mercy and walk humbly with our God. God can work in us and through us as we do that. Let me pray. Father, I thank you today, God, for this opportunity, God. We know, God, in this time, God, of unrest, God, there's so many questions. There's so many things people are wondering why and how. But, God, we know that you have every answer. We know that your word will not return void, God, and we know that you are all wise. So, God, we lean on you. We depend on you, God, to, 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 to lead us and direct us to show us the way that we can represent you here on this earth in a way that pleases you. We don't want to be guilty like the children of Israel who constantly went around the mountain, constantly falling in and out of favor with you. But God, we want to do the things that you have called us to do and to be faithful in doing so. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Listen, before we end today, I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to, to be able to come into the kingdom. I don't want to dismiss, ever dismiss a service without allowing an opportunity for someone who may have tuned in, who doesn't know him, who may be seeking to know him. And If that's you today, I, I would encourage you today uh, uh, to, 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 to tune in to me right now. Block out everything else that's going on because this is the greatest time of your life. And if that's you today, if you don't know him and you want to know him as your Lord and Savior today, I encourage you to repeat these words after me. Real simple, just dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I know that you are the Savior of the world because you died, you went to the grave, but you rose on the third day. And because you got up, I can get up. Out of my way of sin today i ask that you will forgive me for my sins blot out all of my transgressions god make me the new creation god that you said i can be where the old man is gone and the new has come lord i thank you today for being my lord and my savior it's just that simple And if you've made that declaration today, there's a button you can push right there on your computer that says you've made that decision. Push that button. There's some prayer warriors that are right there. They want to come alongside of you and pray with you and to encourage you, to give you some some next steps in your new walk with Christ. Listen, I encourage you this week to do exactly what Micah said, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. God bless you. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light.